This is episode 14 of the TAP with Jessica and Joseph Chicas. You guys ready? Let's go. Oftentimes when we get into relationships, we fall in love with the ideas, opinions, and expectations that we put on other people, rather than accepting them and learning about who they truly are. Do you agree? In this episode of the Think Alpha Project, Jessica and Joseph Chicas break down the several reasons they have become the young power couple they are today, and the things we may need to look out for in growing a relationship. Guys, just once again, just so you guys know, if you guys are looking for the show notes, make sure you guys go to thinkalpha.net forward slash 014. This is definitely episode 14, and I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in. This is going to be an amazing one. I learned so much from this couple, but I want to share a little bit more about who they are. All right, so Jessica and Joseph Chicas, they're an inspiring, creative, and busy couple who found a way to build success while also growing together. Jessica currently serves as a professor at California State University, Los Angeles, which is my alma mater, while involved in community work, running two nonprofits for middle school students. She also teaches on subjects such as understanding development, racial equity, and bridging policy to get ahead as people of color or lower income families. Joseph, on the other hand, through, works through his educational work and he teaches social workers with a focus on policy and helping them build the next generation. Joseph also helps veterans as an advisor, helping them to process their opportunities and build their business experience. He also is an entrepreneur with a couple of startups around VR technology and other emerging technologies, along with building a consulting firm with his wife, Jessica. A few of the things we talk about in this episode, too, are the challenges of developing people as a leader and creating change, committing to self-care to set you up for success in all areas of your life, and dating and growing a relationship while following your purpose. Guys, super pumped to get right into this episode. You guys are going to learn so much. And without further ado, I'm going to bring out the one and the only Jessica and Joseph all right guys welcome to the big outlook project back here with uh, a lovely couple here so we've got jessica is that joseph how you say your last name chicas, chicas. yeah chicas means girls in spanish <laughs> well do you ever get asked about that or something all the time really yeah and now she has to carry the name so dang it's like now she's in on the joke yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I hyphenated because you know I had to keep my name. But oh yeah, now makes always more unique. That. Yeah, no, it's yeah, she's Morales Chicas. Yeah, that's so funny. So <laughs> funny. It's good, but it's good it's though. Good. Oh it's yeah, good. it's good. Yeah, once again, thank you guys for for being on. I appreciate yeah, this. Absolutely. You know, um, so we'll first get let's get right into it. So I want to know what you two are an outstanding couple. You guys thank are what you. I call goals. Because, um, because, like we just mentioned earlier, you guys are young, um, you guys are successful, and continuing to achieve more success. Um, but you, you found a way to blend in going forward in life, but also growing together, mm-hmm. and at and being young at the same time. And me personally, from my perspective, it I don't see that that often. It's not that common. But I want to first. I want to first off ask what you guys consider to be your expertise. I know you, you guys two, do two different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, if you want to start. Yeah. Ladies, Ladies first. first. Ladies okay. First. So, um, so my expertise really revolves around education and educational yeah. equity. And so a lot of my work as a professor um, at Cal State LA is to do research um, in how to understand what gets people to be motivated, especially in, in STEM, meaning science, technology, engineering, and math. And I'm not a STEM major, and I think part of me reflected on why that was, right? Why I got 
sort of funneled into a certain profession. And I think part of it is because our schools don't really motivate, our, you know, students to get into that route yeah. using hands-on technology or whatever it is. So, um, so that really is my expertise in terms of research. And then I couple that with my community work. So I run two nonprofits. Um, both held at UCLA. One is for girls and one's for boys. They're both for middle school wow. students. And we do hands-on learning with technology. We teach them how to develop their own apps, how to code the apps, um, use 3D printing, innovative technologies, and we give them college credit. So that's sort of where I spend my Saturdays um, on a monthly basis, like once one Saturday a month. Um, and then we do summer programming. Um, and then I teach. And so part of my teaching um, revolves around understanding development uh, across the board, lifespan development, um, but also looking at racial equity in, in education in particular and in how we can bridge, you know, policy, how we can bridge practice and teaching and pedagogy to, to really, you know, get ahead um, as people. I particularly focus on people of color um, and lower income individuals. And so, um, so that's sort of my my nine to five, as we call it, and then um, and then we do um, consulting work, and so I, I brand myself as a diversity equity consultant as well. Wow, that is a yeah, mouthful. So, yeah, that's, that's, great. that's great. Yeah, so um, my my first job is to be her husband. <laughs> so that that's like, that that's a you know uh, a, a job I hold very dearly and proud of. Um, in 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 my professional expertise. Um, I would say I got a pretty diverse expertise because I realized through the years that I've just needed to really be adaptable to like the changing environment, the economic circumstances, the social circumstances that I'm surrounded by here, living in Los Angeles, one of the most diverse cities of the world. So I thought I really need a skill set that fits our local economy and what our local economy really looks like is very different. It could be political, it could be creative, it could be um, entrepreneurial and that those are really my buckets um, I really care about community and the way that I give back is through my education work so um, I also teach um, part-time at USC School of Social Work where I teach policy I teach social workers how do we organize together to combat um, adverse policies that we know are going to affect negatively affect communities of color so um, unfortunately, we have a president here in the United States that has given us a lot of content to push back against, whether it's um, injustices that are faced by our immigrant communities that are getting deported or healthcare rights that are being threatened against women and children. Um, I'm really focused on like building the next generation of social workers that are going to go out, push policy, push programs that are going to make a difference. Um, I also work in the Marshall School of Business at USC, where I do career advising. And that job is really cool. I'm really passionate about it because I get to serve veterans that served our country and now are coming back um, into civilian community and wanting to build their business um, experience. And so they're getting their master's in business. It's only for veterans. Oh, cool. And I get to advise them on what are the opportunities in the civilian world, whether it's in aerospace, consulting, banking, finance, um, in technology, in the creative space. I really help them process what are the opportunities out there. Um, and that, that, that fits really well with my next bucket, which is entrepreneurship. I have a couple startups that I've gotten off the ground. Um, some focus on virtual reality technology. Wow. Um, I'm looking also at blockchain and Bitcoin because I think those are emerging technologies that are really going to make a difference in the world. Um, we built our consulting firm together, so I'm really proud about that work. and getting contracted by the city to do social impact campaigns. And so I'm really excited about that work. And um, I got a product based on this plant called Chaya that um, is helping to reduce diabetes in, in the rural areas of Mexico, where Mayans have been using this plant for centuries, and yet we don't have it commercially available. So I'm building a business. Yeah, so I'm building a business to get that out, and that's just been really exciting. And uh, the creative side, I love creative work. Um, I love photography, film. I love to fly drones, and I love to storytell, just like you. Yeah. yeah so um, people got really amazing stories throughout the city, and um, you know, I like to be, um, I like to tell those stories and share those narratives because I think they could be educational, inspiring in many ways. So that's kind of like a little bit about some of the work that I've been doing. Yeah. Wow. And I, I just you just said something about drones. So my twin brother has uh, he has the Mavic Pro, the uh -huh. DJ Mavic Pro. Yeah. 
And he's like, man, don't touch it. This is so expensive, right? So, <laughs> so, so we go to Dominican Republic in October, and we're flying this thing. And he flies for about 15 minutes. And he was like, Val, you want to try? I go, what do you mean? Of course I'm going to try. Right. Yeah. So I try it. And I figured, look, I played video games growing up. You know, I still play here and there. I got this. So I'm doing it, flying it way in the air, bringing it down. All of a sudden, check this out. I take it back out, and it just hits a right, like, out of nowhere. I didn't uh, do it. So he sees it. He's like, Val, what are you doing, bro? And I'm like, what? I'm, here's a controller. I'm not, you know, I'm trying to you mm -hmm. know, have it go the opposite way. Long story short, it runs right into a building. We, we're both uh, watching it like this, and it, it just runs right into a building. Yeah. And, I mean, good thing it didn't hit anybody because it was, like, at mm -hmm. the height where it can hit somebody. Mm. Yeah, and after that, it's safe to say I think I'm cool on flying drones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do have a mind of their own sometimes. Yeah, those newer technologies, we're still experimenting with them. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. So that that's really cool. And what I got from the two of you sharing your stories and you know what you guys are into is that you both, to me, seems like you both are really into uplifting people who want guidance like mm -hmm. be it the youth or be it like you said veterans mm -hmm. so what are some of the biggest challenges you guys see when it comes to that like what you know as as you're growing people and developing people hmm. what are some of the challenges you guys have come across uh, when it comes to developing people um i think uh some of the challenges would be just making a, a connection with people. Mm. I think there's a lot of folks that want to give mentorship. There's a lot of folks out there that have expertise, but how do you find them? Um, so I think some, some of the work that I've done in the past was creating mentorship programs to connect people, to yeah. bridge them. Um, one of the programs I, I developed at UCLA as an undergrad was called GUM, Graduate Undergraduate Mentorship Program. Pun intended, gum mm. means sticking together. Um, and part of it was because, especially with people of color who want to go and they, they have this intent to want to help people and help others grow, right? It's inherent in us because a lot of us come with different experiences and someone helped us get to where we are, right? Um, at least that was my experience right. and his experience. And, and so, um, you know, sometimes we just need a vehicle to connect us um, to make that bridge. And I think that's sort of the challenge is that how do we make... Um, that bridged connection at a grand scale. And I think right now it's sort of missing. I think people are doing it at institutions, people are doing it um, locally through nonprofits, but how can we make it at a grand scale, maybe through an app? Um, I'd love to challenge some young folks out there to create an app where we can have the big mentorship program um, and people would just connect, especially now with the um, baby boomers retiring. There's so much talent out there and there's going to be a lot of gaps to fill. Yeah. And how do we then help people gain access to those individuals to really create something? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and what about you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for me, I'm just going to bring it at a just more mm -hmm. micro level. Um, what, what I find is that we are... Uh, we grow up, especially in communities of color, we grow up with this mindset that um, th there's, we're always striving to break through. We're always striving to break through. Yeah. Economic class, social class, um, we're always striving, we're always pushing because oftentimes we come from poor, low-income low families, yeah. communities where schools are broken, where the community leaders might be corrupt where parks might not have, you know, um, programming, um, where crime is rampant. And so um, we get, psychologically, we get these messages and we internalize messages saying we're inferior, we're less than, we're not, it's hard to make it through, out of here. And then um, that's a mentality that's really hard to break. And then once you get out and you try breaking through, the private sector, the corporate world um, reinforces some of those messages, right? And so you go out into the marketplace with your education, um, if you've made it through, and then um, you get dictated. What, here's your value. Yep. Here's what you're worth. Here's, here's your ceiling, whether it's women, people of color. It, it, we, we experience a lot of the same challenges and barriers. And so for me there's this like continuous like psychological reinforcement um 
and, and it's kind of, it's negative, right? And so we got to combat that. Um, and we got to be resilient. Like we have to fight, we have to penetrate. Um, and I think we're oftentimes trained to just be employees. And I think that we need to reshift that and say, we, our value is infinite. Right. Our potential is infinite. Um, we could be an employee, but we could also be an entrepreneur. We don't have to go work for someone. We could build our own thing. Um, and I think that uh, getting through like that message that you got to stay positive, you got to stay focused, your, your, your potential is infinite. Like these are all messages I think that our communities really need to hear. And they need to see the success stories coming back to these neighborhoods, sharing, here's what I've done. Here's how I made it. Here's my blueprint. You can do it too. And I think that goes back to the mentorship piece. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think we need more mentors coming back into these neighborhoods, um, success stories, because there are many out there. And um, I think we can multiply them more, more times over by sharing them and breaking through that, that, that psychological kind of hurdles right. that are constantly being thrown at our, at our communities. Right. Did you, and I know that it's such a great point because I feel like the, I've had to go through in terms, even in, I remember in nursing school, for example, in Cal State LA, um, I, I was starting and I, and I come in, it's not the classroom yet. It's the office. It's the administration office. Mm -hmm. And I come in and I'm wearing these baggy basketball shorts. Right. And I'm wearing like a t-shirt and obviously I look like I could be a ball player or whatever. And I go in there and they, they notice that I'm filling out the paperwork that the students that are enrolled would fill out like, you know, you, it's like a file. Anyways, one of the, one of the ladies there, they asked me, are you, uh, are you in the wrong building? And I go, this is the, this is the nursing office, right? And they go, yeah. I go, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm filling this out. I say, oh, oh, okay, okay. So, you know, they, I start filling it out. And then, <laughs> you know what one of them told me? They said, you know, make sure that, you know, you have, Make sure that you have a backup for this because, hmm. you know, it's, it, I, I don't really know, you know, I don't really know if this, this is going to work out for, mm -hmm. for a lot of people, this doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. And it, of course it may be her own bias, mm -hmm. right? But I'm telling you, this is the type of conversation that I feel, uh, people like us go through. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. And it may not even be as obvious because for her, it was pretty overt mm -hmm. yeah right but even the the ones that are very low-key the micro mm -hmm. at the micro level that are happening where someone is acting towards you with that in mind you know and they act like you're mm -hmm. not gonna make it mm -hmm. i guess yeah. my and i remember going through things like that or even when you know the, the some of the hospitals that i get involved with or some of the yeah. places that i'm in and people kind of act funny and then all of a sudden when i talk it's a completely, they're like, who's this guy? You know? Right. My question to you guys is like, do you, is, are there some times, I'm sure you guys have probably been through something like that um, for yourselves. I, I'm just wondering if that's the case. Yeah. Let me take a first crack at this. Mm -hmm. but, <laughs> but you know, in the, so part of the challenge, as I mentioned earlier, is like this psychological kind of, this negative psychological reinforcement. Mm -hmm. But it's also the systems that our children are having to navigate that yeah. are just ill-equipped to serve them. So, for example, in LAUSD, uh, the ratio between counselor and student is for every one counselor is 2,200 students. How, how on earth is a counselor in K-12 through in public school here in LA supposed to serve 2,200 children and instill upon the children the confidence, the skill set, the resources for them to break through all these barriers that they're facing in their community and in their school. Mm -hmm. Like it's impossible. The ratio's out of whack, not enough resources to support it. Now it kind of makes sense. Like my counselor told me college wasn't for me. So I had to get it, get in and get out. It's not for you. You're, you know, next, right? How could right. that person possibly try to serve me? I'm just a number. And so I think that's part of the problem. It is systematic lack of resources. Um, and that, that's all I really want to say about that in community college. My counselor also said that I was crazy to think that I would ever transfer to USC and UCLA and I graduated from both. 
So that, that's in the face of my counselor. But if had I listened, imagine, counselor. yeah, my, my, my own college counselor in community college, had I listened to that person, where would I be right now? Right. And so I, 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 I want to encourage like our listeners that whoever tells you you can't, whoever tells you, oh, no, you should think this route. Like, I think you could tell them to go to hell and you figure <laughs> out your own damn solution or you reach out to other people that are going to be positive, that are going to be affirmative because there's no space in in this world for negativity right. there's no space for naysayers the naysayers and the haters they can just they can get going about their business and do exactly. what they do because we got to keep it pushing love that mm-hmm. and i'll add too um i think part of it a lot of the times comes from our implicit biases right so one thing i teach my students is you know it doesn't matter who you are or experiences we all have implicit biases and we have to own it whether you're a person of color or not, right? Sometimes we do it upon our own people. Um, and, and those are deep rooted things we get through the media, things we hear our parents say, things we hear walking down the street. It could be body language. And those things get perpetuated and perpetuated. And the thing is that, like we're talking about microaggressions, right? I think that's what you were hinting at is this idea that sometimes this implicit bias, right? Over and over and over. If you think about a mosquito, it's a great YouTube video. You could type, microaggressions, mosquito bites, and you can see, right, one subtle insult maybe won't hurt, but over time, mm-hmm. 500 of them, right, can be toxic to your mental health, mm. to your, you know, your dreams and aspirations. And I think, um, and they these microaggressions, these insults happen as early as, you know, you can comprehend, really. I mean, four-year-olds in preschool are already, um, you mm. know, being, being uh, funneled into the school-to-prison pipeline, right? Um, and teachers don't even realize that they're doing that, right? And a lot, and it's not that they're well-intended a lot of the times. Um, the administrators are well-intended, the parents are, but these implicit biases over time really add up. And so I think we really need to recognize, regardless of who you are, right, check your privilege, check your bias, because whether you're intending it or not, sometimes we do those things, and, and they really impact people. Mm. Yeah, and I think this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Yeah, um, well, this is a great input. This definitely, and what I believe is like, even if I'm doing, if I'm gonna do something like this, and it affects it by this much, then I'm happy, you know, because we just need more leaders to continue to step up and continue to be the example. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, with counselors, with such a difference in or shortage of counselors in terms of the ratio. I mean, it. It's important that we, we just don't have enough, you know, community and enough example. I relied heavily on my black fraternity, like on my fraternity mm-hmm. during when I was in nursing school. I was the only black male there, period. Mm. Like, there was no there, there's nobody I could see, nobody I could talk to, nothing. Um, and I, I'm grateful that my dad's a nurse, called him all the time. He's a nurse mm-hmm. for like 20 years. Mm. Um, so I get to I got to call him. But I mean, once again, he's been a nurse for 20 years. He's, mm-hmm. you know, now he's in his 60s. At the time, he's in his 50s. So the support, I, I just really think, I think, thank God for the, the support elsewhere. It wasn't nursing support necessarily, but what's cool is, you know, I got that kind of support. I think young folks, we that's what's needed. Enough examples, enough mm-hmm. people. And for anybody who's listening to this and you know that you're a leader, just know that you're needed. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I believe. Yeah, and I, I really want to touch on that because... Um, it is important that as we climb the tiers of academia, uh, our education professionally, like we have to come back. Like you can move out of the hood and be okay coming back to the hood and giving back. Like yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Um, and we do have a moral obligation to come back uh, because in the way that you might have needed someone back then to uplift you during the time where your counselor knocked you some kid is going through that right now and they need you and um the question is what organizations are in that community that you can get involved in that you can give back to and if there isn't an organization can you build one uh who can you partner with at that local level Mm -hmm. and so uh we have an obligation to come back uh and serve uh and and bring the lessons learned because just like you and i can know something about uh cameras and film and all that 
we might be able to provide knowledge to a youngster that's trying to get in the game and have them avoid all the obstacles that we may have. <laughs> oh, man, there are so <laughs> so we can either have our communities go A B C D E F G, or we can just say, "Oh no, community, we've seen it, we've been through it, we've been we failed, we've right. we've got back up. Here's how you go from A through G." Right. Right. And so that's a commitment I think we got to make. Uh, and I challenge everybody listening to do that. And I just want to add one point, because yeah. I think one thing I've noticed working with students is they think, I want to help people, right? And that's great. Everyone should want to help people, but you don't have to just do it through helping professions. You can, you're hmm. doing it in STEM as a nurse, as a doctor, as a lawyer, right? As uh, a lobbyist, um, you know, pushing change in policy. Um, you could do it as an entrepreneur, right? Building, mm -hmm. as Joseph was saying, a, a plant that can really fight diabetes. You can do it through so many things, through an app, you know, um, that can change the world. And so I think that's the, the main misconception is we put ourselves in this box. I wanna help people, so I should be a teacher, a social worker, a this, a this, and a that. And that's great, right? <laughs> that's the field we, ch we chose and, uh, you know, and I, we love them, but there's, you can help in other ways. And sometimes helping is through capital, right? And I think that's sometimes what, what we often lack as people of color through years of oppression, right? Um, how can we break through that, yep. right? And really build capital to then help others, right? Because you need capital to then build a nonprofit. You need capital to build, you know, a big movie, right? To push social change. And so in order, in order the only way we can do that is to break out of that box. Right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we're really placed into that because we're given advice. Well, if you want to help people, you have to go this direction. You can help people whether you're whatever, whatever profession you are, right? Mm -hmm. you, you shouldn't be placed into a box. Right. And I want to add to that because, mm -hmm. um, service and giving back is is absolutely like critical to build our communities um absolutely but it's also the it, it's okay to work on yourself first and i want to make that clear yeah, because okay. what do you mean? yeah because um sometimes we get caught up in this notion especially in our professions like in education social work policy that we're always fighting for the greater good we're always fighting to change a condition, change a policy, change a program. And sometimes we give so much to the movement mm -hmm. that we neglect ourselves. So spiritually, how are we doing? Emotionally, how are we doing? Psychologically, how are we doing? Physically, how are we doing? Right. Emotionally, how are we doing? And so we have to be able to hold ourselves accountable to our own well-being. Because at the end of the day, my ability to give back is only predicated on my ability to get up, eat breakfast, be in the right state of mind, because I got to move an agenda. I got to move people. I got to uplift people that are down. Right. And you could only do that if you're strong internally. And so let's not neglect ourselves. And let's be okay with the fact that taking care of our own bodies, our own spirit, our own mind, that that's okay. That that is uh, sometimes a requirement to take care of the rest. And so that's not selfish. That's not um d evil that's a good thing yeah. and i think we need to reframe that too in social work we call it self-care exactly we got to exactly. take care of ourselves yeah. and so um i just want to relay that message to the audience because sometimes we feel guilty about it and i don't think we should and same with relationships Ooh. oh which I, I had a feeling this go. was the next transition yes, <laughs> this is great. This is great. so same thing with relationship, and, and you're right. And I don't know where it happened that um, it became vilified to take care of yourself first. Um, and honestly, to you guys, just to share with you guys, I know that, you know, the audience has heard this before, but for me, I spent a lot of time being a people pleaser. Hmm. Um, even down to my career is because, you know, my parents really... That's really what they wanted me to do. They really wanted me to go the medical route. It's going to be nursing and then medicine. I did nursing, jumped in the hospital. I worked at UCLA. Nice. And there about, you know, a few months in, I'm like, no, I don't do this. This, this isn't what I want to do. Like, it never was. So it's interesting. Um, you know, it's interesting that when you tend to want to do things for yourself that's in your best interest, Oftentimes you get made wrong for it, or that's that's what I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, to me, it's like, where did that start happening? And it wasn't until I switched my entire life, which happened as recent as 
a year ago that my life started to look completely different mm -hmm. because I said, you know what, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. Um, even in my dating, you know, I'm dating and stuff like that. It's like, um, I no longer put myself at a dis like at a discomfort because I am, I want you to feel good about me, mm -hmm. but it's at my expense. Like I can tell on the oh, inside, I feel like, yeah. I don't really want to be in this position or I don't really want to do this or do that. Mm -hmm. But I want you to feel good, and I've learned that mm, that that just doesn't that just doesn't work. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I feel you on that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we're gonna talk about that because yeah. you guys are a model, a model for well, that's what it, it feels like. It doesn't not just it doesn't just look like it, but it feels like it. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, it's a vibe. It's it's a vibe. That's all. <laughs> that's all it is. So you guys are a great model. That's what it feels like. Where have you guys, in terms of that self-care, when it comes to people dating, what advice do you guys have like it's for, for people who are out there dating when it comes to self-care? Yeah, um, I know you love stories, yeah. so I got a story for you. Good, um, good, good, good. Ten years ago, we met at UCLA in the dining halls, and I, I, I specifically recall that moment in my life um, as an... That's definitely significant because I'm obviously. my future wife, obviously. <laughs> um, but also, like, huh, I was in my, I was reaching my young prime. And the work that I needed to do to get to that moment in time when I first met her hmm. was very significant because in my late teens, early 20s, I realized that. I had been masking a lot of my insecurities, huh. a lot of my my deficiencies as a person, my lack of attention at home, my just a bunch of stuff, a lot of, a lot of emotion, a lot of negative emotion. I've been masking it, yeah. being in relationship by relationship by relationship where I needed validation from like other people when really I, I should have... I was striving happiness. I was looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Happiness starts with you. And I began to learn in my early 20s that I needed to focus on being happy internally, being the best person I can be, being the best uncle, being the best friend, mm. being the best student, uh, being the best community activist. Like, just focus on me. Without a relationship, without any noise, just focus. Um, and that took significant amount of work. I really needed to be um, uh, away from like the noise. I needed to be away from relationships. I needed to be away from dependency on other people to validate my own existence. And so I was at a really mm. good point because I found that. Wow. And then as God would as God would have it, at the moment where I am at the not pinnacle, but in the pinnacle at that time the best version of myself, I meet my wife. Wow. And, and that was significant for me because I was like, huh, here's a person that is beautiful on the inside out who I don't need right now. I don't need her as a crutch. I don't need her to validate my existence, but I want her. I want her to be on this journey with me. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I want her to be on this journey with me. Because I'm in my prime right now. I'm in my, this is my season. And so for me, the, the, the underlying message there is work on you. Like, don't, don't go chasing validation from the world. Seek it from yourself. And there's a lot of ways of going about that. Um, beefing up on your school and finding that career that you're really passionate about. Meditating, doing physical activities and exercise. Surrounding yourself with positive people who want the best for you. Staying away from the hard, you know, drugs. You know, you can party, but keep it within reason. Yeah. Focus on family. Focus on the good friends. And I think once you bring all those things together, you make yourself a whole person. And now you're ready to receive love. But you got to love yourself first. And so that's why our love for us, why I was ready to receive her love. Mm. I needed to fight for it. She was playing a little hard to get. You know? <laughs> it was tough. I'm not saying it just 
came from the sky. <laughs> I still had to court her and date her and do all the things. That's put in. That's put in that work. I should, of course. Uh, but I needed to be ready, and I was ready. So I think that's what happened. Had she caught me at a m- another season in my hmm. life, I may not have been ready. And so you know, wow. you gotta huh. stay ready so you don't get ready. I'm, I'm okay? listening. Okay? You you so, talking to me? So that's so that's my story with the <clears throat> underlying message. And I think on the imposing end, which is interesting, like the the sort of black and white opposing story. I was always anti-dating because I wanted to be this independent woman that had everything together and I wanted to go to school and I didn't want to disappoint my parents and you know anything any guy was not going to ruin my path right Mm. so that was sort of the perspective I had and I got to a point in time in college where I said you know maybe I should allow myself to let someone else in I had this huge guard for no reason Mm. I just I didn't want my path to go away because I saw that happen so many times, like with my friends and communities right. and family. And so I said, no, this is my chance to at least let someone in. So this guy got very lucky also that I happened to be in a place in my life where I was going to allow someone a chance. Mm-hmm. And that little chance, as he said, it was hard work. He had to work for it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was allowing myself to do that. And I think there's two opposing hmm. two sides of the coin here. Right. You can have someone wow. who's just not ready. And then you can have someone who. Maybe he's not ready, but for different reasons, right? And and I think in both of those stories, you have to allow yourself, right, to be ready internally um, for yourself, but also for others. And that takes work. And let me tell you, even when we were just dating, it's it's a process. It's a process of like letting your guard down. It's a process of getting to know each other and getting to know yourself. Because when you date someone, you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, about yourself. Mm. That's right. More than anything. That's right. And even with breakups, I think you learn a lot about yourself as well. Yeah, every breakup that I've been through, I've left no, like with so much more insight on who I am mm-hmm. through the relationship. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. So, how long would you say? How long were you guys like dating before you? Let's just say you guys got engaged. So we. Um, so speaking of breakups, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say something really quick. So we we were together for about two years going very strong and then uh, we did break up for about a year Uh, and I say this because it's relevant to our story Mm -hmm. right I think um, I don't want people to think oh they're this great couple and they didn't have any difficulties we did I mean dating is hard it's hard work and it's hard work because I think we were both very driven in our own journeys and at some point you have to make a decision right are you going to keep going and this route and then allow your the other person your significant other to go along with you or is their path simply different and at some point, you have to come to grips with that. So we came to a point where, you know, I was like, well, you want to go into politics and you want to, at the time, that's what he was doing. Uh, and you want to go travel the world like that long distance relationships don't work for me. It's just not going to work. So let me, I'm, I'm not in the position to hinder anyone's dreams and goals. Mm. And I think you need to realize that when you're in a relationship, if you're in a relationship and it's driven by one person's dreams and goals, then what's in it for you? Right? Wow. And yeah. so, um, so that was very tough. It was very tough. We broke up for about a year. And I said, you know, if, if he happens to come back, I'll be open to it. We didn't end on bad terms. We ended for the purpose of our self-development. And if it works out, it works out. And lo and behold, here he is again. Um, and then we dated for another about two years. Um, and then wow. we got married. Wow. Yeah. But that's, I think a lot of young professionals that are together and dating maybe your college sweetheart or someone you just got out of college and you're both grinding you're both chasing your dream and sometimes you can chase your dreams together and then sometimes you got to come apart and chase your dream and then sometimes i kind of challenge a little bit of what she said Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's okay to say you know what we're gonna we're gonna focus on you chasing your dream i'm gonna put mine in the shelf for right now and we're just going to go get and i've seen couples do that yeah. I, I actually it's really impressive to see the amount yeah. of couples that are willing to kind of shelve their own dream to pursue the dreams of another yeah it is um yeah. and sometimes we've actually had to do that now being married um and and it works uh mm-hmm. but as long as there's a balance yeah, exactly right? that yeah. okay we've we've gotten your dream done you got your education out of the way now now i gotta go do me you got my back like i had your back cool we're in it together and there's a cooperative balanced relationship in that sense um whenever the scale is too tipped one way or another 
I think that's unfair. I think that's unhealthy. Because you should never shelve your dream forever for anybody, in my opinion. I don't have kids, though, and I understand. And we don't have kids. <laughs> but I understand that some people are confronted with, damn, I was going to be a lawyer working in Washington, D.C. Now I have my kids and my whole family's in L.A. So I got to stay here. And so you modify your dream. Right. I think that's... But to forfeit it... You Completely. Know, yeah, I, I just think we got to really be careful about our dreams. Because we get one life. That, right. We get one life. That's right. it. There's right. only one guarantee. Yeah. That you don't, you have one. There's no repeats. Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm, we might come back as a... I don't know if you come back as a cat or whatever. But we only got one that we're guaranteed. And so we got to make the most of it. Yeah. And, and um, hopefully you're with the right partner that will enable you, propel you to do that. And if you're not, then you got to reevaluate. I think uh, interesting you say that because I I feel like your dream, or let's just maybe rephrase it as I would rephrase it as your purpose. Hmm. Like if we we're to say your purpose is is tied to who you are. I I really believe that my purpose is tied to who I am. So if there's anything or a partner who is, you know, their how they feel about it or or they're stifling my purpose. It's just to me, it's what you just said is correct. It's like if you have someone who doesn't let you do that, or at least there's some sort of there's a plan in action so that you can at least have it. Maybe it might be modified, but not completely, you know, let go. I think that's when it is a problem just because like, I've, I've been in a relationship where it's like I'm trying to go for something, but then I get I get yelled at <laughs> or 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 the person is really angry or upset. Um, maybe they just have are afraid of not seeing me as much. I don't know, but I've noticed that when it's like that, it's like okay, well, this is who I am. This is what, this is why I do what I do. So, what do you guys have uh, for a guy like me, who is uh, still, you know, I'm still out there looking. Um, <laughs> actually, no, actually, let me ask you this because this would be great for both of you, and the perspectives would be awesome. So. You are what I would say goals like you're you're at a point where I'd like to be in my life eventually. Right. And what advice do you have for me, who is a guy who's pursuing his purpose, is going for something in his life, but also would like to share would like someone to share that with as well. What do you have for me? Huh. Great question. <laughs> um, well, I would say, first of all, don't let the foot off the gas pedal, off your gas pedal. Um, because as I mentioned to you earlier, when you're chasing it, you're chasing your purpose, you're yeah. defining your purpose, um, and you're building yourself up to be the best version of yourself. I feel like that's when, like the right per that's when you see people in the lens through which you can really see whether they're a complement to your purpose and long-term purpose and your long-term right. And your long-term existence and so i think it really starts with that lens so i would just say keep your foot on the gas pedal and also be aware that the person that you're ultimately gonna end up with may already be in your life they hmm. may already be there and Dang, for son. one reason <laughs> and for one reason or another it may not have fleshed out just yet but you have people in your life that you can depend on that you can yeah. lean on that have, you've built trust with that you're respectful with that understands your grind that respects your grind but that's going through their own thing they're on their own grind own they're in their own lane they're on their own pathway and destiny might have it that eventually there's a convergence right, right. of both of your pathways which it seems like happened to you guys and that that's exactly what happened conversely they may not be in your life at all mm -hmm. they might pop up while you're changing the meter at the parking lot. And as luck and grace and faith and God would have it, you just meet and you connect. And what I would say on that note is your instinct dictates at that point. And that you have reason, we all have reason, but your gut, that mo that little feeling like, wait, that, hmm. 
And you got to pay attention to that um, because that 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 can lead you to that person as well. Um, but does it happen right away? Like, does it always I feel like it doesn't always happen right away. Like, for example, when you met her, did it? Nah, it wasn't right away. No, um, it doesn't. And and when it does, yeah. you may want to then reevaluate why. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt. But yeah, I think one thing true. before I forget, one thing about folks who get into their 30s, we're both in our 30s now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we fall in love with the idea of someone right. rather than a person. And mm-hmm. then that's where it can get a little bit dicey because you are now chasing this idea. And you have this idea of a person and they have to match every little detail. And when you get married, you think that that person is going to be even better and more significant. And they're going to cater to you and vice versa. And when that happens, life is not like that, right? There's going to be trials. There's going to be errors. You're going to fight. You're, you know, you're going to get on each other's nerves. And that's part of the process. And that idea sometimes shatters because it's not this perfect picture that you wanted. And so I think um, rather than chasing this idea of this imaginary person, right, really just letting people in because of who they are as an individual. And when you can do that, then that's when it'll happen organically. But I think in your 30s, especially for women, right, I think it's something men is very different, right? We we have a internal clock, whether we want to admit it or not. Some women are very blessed. (laughs) Check your male (laughs) privilege. Some women are very blessed to be fertile in their 40s. But a lot of women are not, right? And so we have this social pressure like, oh, you know, to have children by 30. But then we can't, we're, we also have the social pressure to not get pregnant by early 20s, yeah. right? So we're getting these constant pressures. And so by the time we're 30, women are sometimes so eager to just get in a relationship because I only have five years, right? Before all these risks happen. And so women are at, sort of at a different position than men a lot of the times and different pressure. And then we rush into things to meet those life goals of this ideal person that we yeah. want to date. Um, oh. And that's when things can get a little bit dicey, right? And you have to reevaluate, am I with this person because they're an idea of who I want to be with? Mm. Or am I with this person because I truly love them and I can build with them and we can strive together? Yeah, that's a... Uh, and, and, and I would add to that and say, don't, don't chase, don't go trying to find your future wife go find your future best friend that you can live with forever because at the end of the day that's what we are and right. i always have to go back whenever i'm a jerk you know whenever i'm really stressed out and the the stressors of life are really coming down and i may not be being the best version of myself the best husband i gotta go back and i gotta say this is my best friend so i gotta have her back and so we're in this together i'd rather spend time with her than anyone in the world right and so that's the arrangement that's the marriage that's what i entered into i didn't hmm. i didn't enter into a contract with a a spouse right i entered into a, a relation a long-term relationship with my best friend so we also got to be cautious of who we're chasing why we're chasing can we see ourselves right spending the rest of our lives together having conversation going to football games hanging out and just watching wow. tv right? mm-hmm. When everything is turned off and it's just about me and her, can we sit with the love, the emotion, the trials, the tribulations, the ups and the downs? And for me, the answer has always been yes with her. So that makes it really easy for me to be like, this is it. This is like, this is for me. Um, And so find your best friend, you know, find your best friend and or and yeah. And that takes time to develop. I'm so saying, man, it takes time. It takes time. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. It takes some time, man. It takes some time. Yeah. They're just going to pop up out of nowhere. You're going to call Joseph. Joseph, you were right. You know? <laughs> He's like, you know what, bro? Yeah, wow. She lived upstairs. So. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> and what happens is, in relationships, we always start with a guard or a mask at first and then as time goes on we take it off yeah and we show our true selves and so the challenge is also how can i get you how can i get this person to show me their true self as soon as possible Mm -hmm. so i can know because your time is precious our time is precious time on earth is precious how can i find out who this person is as, as quickly as possible not rushed but quick to to learn is this 
are we aligned? Right. Morally, spiritually, physically, um, psychologically, are we aligned or are we not? No. Mm. And people have different purpose in our life. Some some men, some women serve different purposes on our, in our life and understanding where they fit in our in our life is also like really important. Um, and so I uh, I'm with you, brother. And, and I got you if you ever need if, just if like, bro, some consultation bro I gotta talk to you for a second <laughs> man I got friends are wrestling with this now I got a, a bunch of younger you know uh, guys in their 30s that are just recently married and you, you know you, you realize that marriage is marriage is tough it's a lot of negotiation a commitment and, if, and it's a commitment and so if you're not willing to make that um, then you got to reevaluate before you even go into because it's a serious matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this shit is serious. Life, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, we share a bank account. Yeah, right? yeah, it's real, right? We we got um, we got assets together. Um, our families are intertwined now, thankfully, and uh, it's a serious thing. So make make your choices wisely. <laughs> can I can I say one thing yeah, for those that are in a relationship and maybe um, want to know sort of what. What I think is a good secret and what I learned in our relationship or in our journey is that um, we each need love in a different way. And mm. I'm not, I don't want to plug in this book, but I have yeah. to because it's not my book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's called The Five Languages of Love, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't find this book in like, until, until we got married, I think. But oh, wow. yeah. I figured it out as we were, as we were dating. And that's that um, for me to feel love, I really need someone that's willing to spend quality time with me. That's going to be there for me and going to drop anything because time for Mm. me is very valuable. I have very limited time. I've been in school. I went to school for six years, you know, to get a PhD, a master's. So it takes, you know, time is very valuable and limited for him. um, It's it's different. He needs um, more. I don't want to say validation, but he needs someone to tell him that he's loved. He needs words. words, right? So in that book, it's called words of he needs words of affirmation. I didn't know that. So I was giving love in different ways. Come see me. Come hang out with me. And he was like, well, why? You know, you don't love me because you don't tell me that you love me. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so a lot of the times, until we figure that out, what's going to fill my love tank? What's going to fill his love tank, right? Um, then we're constantly going to be thinking we're giving love when we're not giving love in the way that we need it. And the same oh. applies to children. I don't have children yet, but the same applies to children and, and their parents, mm-hmm. right? We all, Each kid needs to be loved in a different way. Um, and and until you feel that, right, um, then you're not going to be satisfied, um, with the love that you're getting. And so I think that was really powerful for me before I even read the book. Um, I realized like, oh, that's what, that's what he needs from me. Oh, that's, that, this is what I need. (laughs) So I could come home with flowers, right? And it's like, okay, that's cute. Like, (laughs) that's that's cute, but, (laughs) but like, what would be really cute is if you took out the trash and you just like cleaned up a little bit around and watched here. a movie with me. Yeah, and watched straight and up. Just, and, and and when when I understood that, I was like, okay, I gotta serve. And that's my second serve. one, right? Words of affirmation are his. Mine was quality of time and quality of time acts and of service. service. Acts of service, guys. Mind blowing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and 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 one thing that I've learned through her, um, you gotta show up every day. You got and and you gotta date your spouse every day and that that is hard in the busy life that young yeah. professionals live and when you're on your grind you're on your hustle you're you're cranking out the projects and everything and then you but you got to be mindful that you have to court you have to date you have to take your spouse out to dinners movies those things really matter um and they keep the flame alive yeah um and so that's one thing I've had to kind of like check myself on, like, oh, just time out. You, you what you did last week, you know, it, it, don't it, doesn't, count. it, doesn't, it doesn't hold water. Because for us, we'd be yeah, like, you, you know, know what? Yeah, no, yeah, I got yeah. you. Like, remember last Saturday we went to the movie? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, you good. No. Like, what are you doing tomorrow, Today. the next day, or what do you got planned? So you got to be proactive. Uh, and it, it, that that's work. And it uh, goes both ways, wow. yeah. right? It goes both ways. I think we live in a time where um you know it's it's not just the man right if you are in a heterosexual relationship where that has to do everything that has to plan the dates right i think as women we need to take ownership also Mm. and plan the dates and and if you're preaching that you want equality in your relationship then you gotta 
open the door every now and then too, right? You got to wear a mustache every now and then too. And so I think that's one of the things that I, like I, that. I have to check myself like, oh, I want all these things that a quote unquote man's supposed to give me. Well, then I better also deliver those things too. Because if I want equality, I need to then do what I expect from him. And it's supposed to be an equal partnership. And I think we also need to realize that um, so that then we can, it becomes a partnership rather than you do this, I do this, you do this. Right. Then it becomes me dictating. Yeah. And I hate that because then I look like I'm nagging. Right? And you don't want to look like, like, like you're nagging. I don't like that. <laughs> just like we both don't like it. No. Yeah. That's interesting. So let me ask you a quick, quick question, okay? Just, just, just very quick. So if I'm dating a girl, I know I'm always going to, I don't, it just feels right to obviously pay for the first date, the first maybe few dates. But like, at what point should I be like in my mind, like, okay, like, you know, you could pay for something too. Like, <laughs> so well, what do you so, think? So here, so, so the way society, I'll tell you what I think and I'll t- what I think for me personally, what I think society thinks, right? Yeah. So um, when I would go on first dates, I would offer to pay. Why? For well, partly because I like to. That's wifey, shake man. Oh, you got a good one. It's awesome. Awesome. I like to sort of shake the status quo. What I wasn't realizing is that to some people that was offensive. To them, uh-huh. it meant uh-huh. it meant oh, they're not letting me be a man because society tells me I have to pay and I have to be I have to court her right again speaking in a heterosexual relationship right 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 right. right. Um, so she must have not liked this date. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. But to me, I was trying to shake things up because in, in my relationship, I want to be treated as an equal. And to be an equal, I need to also pay. I need to. You know what I mean? But if you're dating a girl who obviously only wants to get paid for all the time, then that's they're going to want that sort of hierarchy in their relationship, too. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. That's my prediction. But I feel like there are some, there are some people who contradict that themselves where they show up in a way of what they expect. Absolutely. But then what they say they believe in Absolutely. doesn't line up with what they how they act. Because yeah. it's so ingrained in our mind what women are supposed to do and what men are supposed to do. It is deeply ingrained. I don't care if you claim to be a feminist. At the end of the day, in your household, what you saw growing up, a lot of times is going to get modeled. It is. So what's you guys' dynamic? How would you state your dynamic as, a part, as partners? Because I look at you guys as you guys are partners. You guys, mm-hmm. boom, together. Um, but what is what is the dynamic at play for the most part? I know there are also changes, you know, in relationships. It can change yeah. from time to time. Absolutely. But for the most part, how would you guys uh, describe your dynamic together? Well, I think since she got so she was in school 10 years at UCLA. And then in this last year, she's mm-hmm. been making her own income, teaching at Cal State. LA. Killing it. And, and so and so now we got dual income. So this was like the goal, right? It was. I'm going to grind out. We're going to grind out while you're in school. You're going to get out. And then our our economics are going to come together and we're going to build a stronger economic base. And that's what we're doing. Um, What what that has done is now we 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 got we can have conversations around finances Mm -hmm. and not and I not have leverage. There is no leverage. It's equal. It's just it's it's equal. And so. what I would say is like that's the dynamic, right? Is that there's there's equality like in the truest sense, um, and it, it's working out like really good. Of course, now as a young couple living in LA, um, we've realized too it's really expensive to live here. So now the dual income is great, but and so now we want to continue pushing yeah. through economically to make it in a city like LA where the cost of Which living is, awesome. is just getting. Yeah. So hot. Right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I'll add, so I grew up in a household that was um, very male-driven. So my yeah. dad was expected to be served by hand every day, and if not, the woman was seen as, as devalued. And he, we recognize that as a family system now. And so growing up seeing that, I said, oh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. I want to be a working professional. My mom was a working professional, you know, labor-intensive work, but she was working. And so uh, wh- why is that? And so I always challenge sort of that hierarchy, that patriarchy. Um, and so in my relation, in our relationship, um, I think cooking was one of the biggest things mm. and eating together was one of the biggest things. Like, how are we going to negotiate that? Because we're both working, but I was the one that was taught to cook, not him. So I can't expect him to go and learn all these things. It needs to be a partnership. And right? I was taught to be served. Exactly. So right. sounds like my family. Yeah. <laughs> right. So every now and then we'll go to places. And he's like, "So are you gonna serve me?" And I'm like, "No." 
you can serve yourself. But then I also have to check myself and say, wait a second, that's how he was raised too. So I'm disrespecting him by not at least offering every now and then, mm. right? And so wow. you also have to sort of give the respect, right? Tell him we cook together. So, so I'm getting there. <laughs> so what we decided to do, because I would have him try to help me in the kitchen, and it was, you know, an argument every time yeah. because I was teaching him. And I get frustrated yeah, of when course. he doesn't doing it right. Of course. So we started doing this like delivery service um, and they bring you the food um, and you prepare it. They give you all the ingredients. And so now it sort of leveled the playing field because now I don't know how to make the meal. You don't know how to make the meal. So we're, we're going to figure it out. it out together. We just got to read the instructions. Just read it. Yeah. And, and that way, it sort of leveled the playing field. And then when we couldn't cook together, then, you know, I'll go get food or he'll do get what you food. do. And then same with the dishes or, and, and so it really depends on, um, what sort of, what you value as an individual. And for me, I really value eating together because that's how I was raised. We, as a family, we did not eat until everybody was at that dining table. Yeah. He did, he did not grow up like that. You know, he, everybody would eat at separate times. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, no, eating, cooking, all those things are important, but I'm going to make a new tradition in my household. Don't expect me to cook every single day, right? Because if you're not going to be there, I'm not going to cook this meal and eat by myself. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it's important to eat as a family. Um, so that's sort of what we did. Wow. Um, which, you know, is hard because we're both working professionals. We Absolutely. Eat. Sometimes we don't make dinner till eight. And my mom yells at me, right? <laughs> you're supposed to be eating at five. Well, I don't have time. We don't have time. Right. Um, right. So we, we try to carve out time at least, you know, once, at least once. A week where we, you know, we cook together and we sit and we eat a meal together because that's important to me. And then he has things that are important to him. But that that really pleased me in my satisfaction of having equality and having a family bonding time. Wow. Ah, yeah, I feel like we could spend all day talking about this stuff. (laughs) And this is a conversation much needed because you guys are living it. It's not like it's not like some guru trying to say you should do things this way. You guys are showing us what you're doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like that's. That's so valuable. Like I haven't, I've gotten life. You guys, you guys just gave me life, you know. And this is not something I could get. And if I were to get this, it's usually from a couple that's probably been in the game together for you know, for a while, or they're just a lot older, you know. So thank you guys, thank you guys so much. So as much as look, you gotta, you guys are busy. We've got to have some sort of follow up episode where we can really give value, especially with relationships, because guys, this this was awesome. Um, but we we want to know as an audience where to find you guys online. Yeah. Where do we find you guys, ladies? First. So I am um, on social media, Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram as well, um, and you can also find me through my email. So um, oh, just my, emails, yeah, perfect. My professional email, uh, J M O R A one six three at calstatela.edu. Um, that's probably the best way to, to find me on a professional level. And then if you want to keep up with me, um, I would say, I guess, my Facebook. Um, you could just type in my, my full name, Jessica Morales hyphen Chicas. Good. Right on the screen. Huh? I know. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I have it. I have all this like, yeah. You guys will have a web page and all that. Yeah. It's unique since I've adopted uh, his name as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. In the same way. So email, you can find me at uh, J.E. Chicas. Um, at usc.edu and then uh on facebook joseph chicas and on instagram joseph chicas on twitter joseph just a good you made it all uniform pretty straightforward <laughs> uh and yeah let's connect let's talk like let's engage in dialogue i think these are all really important right. topics and um you know i applaud you for doing what you're doing man i think it's really, i think it's really important to get like people of color like in 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 front of um on a platform where yes. they can share some of their best practices because a lot of times our, our experiences are so unique. And again, if we can help someone get from mm-hmm. A to Z without going through all the crap, then we can just get them to that that point, that destination a little quicker, a little smarter, a little more strategically. Right. I think that's good. So thank you for creating the platform. Yeah. For inviting us, I think we could probably talk for another few hours. Yeah, this, sure. this is, yeah, yeah it, it got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wish you happy holidays. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, so Thank you guys so much, man. Thank you. Guys, and that's a wrap. I hope you guys learned a lot from this episode. I know that I did. A couple key things. Make sure you leave an honest review. Go to thinkalpha.net forward slash iTunes. 
We'd love for you to leave a review on what's going on. Also, make sure you check out the show notes. You know, it's going to be key so you can see um, how to contact them if you guys have any other questions. And other than that, you guys know to find me. I'm most active on Instagram. Um, you can go to Instagram, Val Ewudo, and um, just go ahead and leave me a message. You know, if, you, if you're thinking of anything in general or even more uh, guests for the for the podcast, let me know. I think it's going to be a great um, opportunity for us to get more people like this on a platform like this. So on that note, I leave you guys for the next one. Please stay tuned in. Make sure that you guys are sharing this with your friends and you guys know what time it is. Let's make something happen. See you on the next one. Peace.